uh, a little bit of, are you in the picture? Uh, things are happening in my life, and uh, God, uh, why are you so inattentive? And we're going to take a look at the Bible today just to kind of get a story that kind of illustrates and magnifies the very things we feel because the things that we feel sometimes, we wonder if people in the Bible felt the same things. Like, I'm going through a lot, God, and uh, are you aware of my needs? And so the idea of this lesson is that your personal circumstances does not necessarily uh, coincide with how God feels about you. Um, even though God may seem inattentive, um, God wants us to look somewhere to know that He's still there. And sometimes it's very difficult to look for God when you're struggling or when you're in a situation. So one of the most frustrating things about being a Christian is that you worship God and He's not paying attention. You know, you, you kind of experience that sometimes in your marriage. You kind of experience sometimes in your, in your friendships. So like, do my friends realize? Um, and two things make it worse. One, the first person that makes it worse is me. Because I just say, have faith. Go do it. Believe. Obey. God will bless you. Right? <laughs> sounds easy. Sounds awesome. But yet, it sounds so easy, but yet it can be so difficult. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that makes it worse is people around you. It's like things are falling into their lap. They don't even pray about things and God is just meeting every single need of their family. And you're going like, he's not even a good person. I'm the good person. I'm the Christian. I'm the one that sacrifices my life and time and energy. They don't do anything. And it seems like God is just meeting all their needs. They have a great job. They're deciding which job offer to take. This one here, more money. This one here is triple the money out of town. Whoa, oh no, what do we do? What do we do? And you're just trying a job that pays you for your hard work. You're just trying to find a job that's equitable. You're just trying to find work, period. You're just trying to find a meaningful job. And yet everyone around you is like, they're being blessed left and right. And we can feel like, God, why are you so inattentive? You know, we're looking for health insurance, and they got super-duper coverage. You know, we're just, it's, it's, it, it's a reality that we face sometimes. We, we start a new adventure, and it's not going good. They start a new business adventure, and it's being blessed five times fold. Why? It just doesn't make sense sometimes. You know, even your kids, you know, you're, you're having a hard time, you know, getting your kids to go to bed, Getting your kids to obey, and then you walk look at their kids. Their kids are, yes, mommy, daddy, yes, sir, and please, and thank you. And they go to bed, they eat all their dinner, and you're going, this makes me sick. Oh, my gosh, how, what is happening here? You know, and sometimes we, we start to believe that God is uninvolved. So, so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three people in the Bible, in the New Testament, who God cared deeply about. Yet, for one person, God just simply did not answer one of his prayers. And another person, God arrived late to help them. He needed something at this time, and God came late. Mm -hmm. So, these stories are very important for us. And what I want to do is just uh, illustrate three areas. Is sometimes God can be inattentive. We feel God can be uncooperative. And we feel God can be late. And one of the prevailing thoughts is that I feel if is this, if God is silent, he must be absent. If he's silent, he must not be around. So we're going to take a story in the Bible 
about a man named John the Baptist. You ever heard of John the Baptist? Who's here heard of John the Baptist? John, okay, if you haven't heard of John the Baptist, that he was a, he was a man of God and he was a prophet style kind of guy. He was a kind of, he knew one way, it was direct and it was in your face. It was only one way. He, he kind of liked getting in your face. He kind of liked you know, telling you what your sins were so you can repent of them. And that was kind of his, his thing. And so, but before John, there was a great king in the, in the area of the land where, where John was from and his name was King Herod. They called him the great King Herod. He built all kinds of palaces, all kinds of architectural uh, parts of the city. It was amazing. And they still stand to this day. I mean, he's an amazing uh, builder of things. And he had uh, sons and daughters. And he was a pretty evil guy. Although he had great ability to build, he was really evil. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his three sons. They said it was, you were, you were more lucky to be one of his animal farm uh, pigs than it was to be one of his sons. Because at least your days are, are longer than his children. Because he was a very cruel person. This was the same king that was threatened by the birth of Jesus. And he ordered in the, city, in the town of Bethlehem all the children ages 2 and under to be butchered. He was a very evil guy. He was a very insecure person. And so this is kind of the scenario of where John is living. He has his king and also he has these three sons. And here are his sons that survived. Uh, Herod Achilles, uh, Achilles, he's the ruler of Samaria and Judea. That was the middle south of the, of the area there. And there was Herod Antipas. He was a ruler over the north called Galilee. And then there was a third son named uh, Herod Philip. He got no uh, you know, physical uh, territory to cover, but he was wealthy not, nonetheless. And so what happened was, was King Herod, that's the guy in the bottom here, who had no part of the kingdom, but he was wealthy. He married one of, his, one of their nieces. And her name was Herodias. And Herodias, got, they got married, and they had a daughter named Salome, and everything was looking good. Then one day, Herod Antipas, his brother, that's the guy back here, he was the ruler over the north, he goes and visits his brother Philip. And while he's over there, he falls in love with Philip's wife. And Philip's wife falls in love with Herod. And so they say, hey, let's, let's, let's go back to Galilee together. Let's want you to divorce your husband. You be my wife, and we'll live happily ever after. And that is, in fact, what they did. And so they go back to Galilee, and guess who's in Galilee? John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, what in the world have you done? What you are doing is wrong. You can't marry your brother's wife. He's still alive. Now, if his brother was dead, that would have been all right back then. But the brother was alive. He says, you can't do that. And guess who started getting an attitude? Not so much Herod. Herod was like, whatever. But Herodias. Herodias was offended. Imagine every time that she got, she was being carried and she came across, the, and it was John, they, they would, her little carriage would stop. And then John would be, Herodias, what you doing is wrong. Imagine hearing that, sisters, women. You were like, oh, I don't like that guy too much, right? <laughs> so, she started to develop a really, really bad attitude with John the Baptist. She didn't like him at all. And so, this is kind of the background of what's happening, is that they're together, and John, his mission is to make people aware of their sins so they could change. And so, this is kind of the background story of, uh, in the Bible, Mark chapter 6, verse 17. It's on the board, so you don't, you don't have to turn there. It says, For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. 
and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous man. Now when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. <laughs> you know, here is, uh, here is uh, Herod the king. He kind of gets a kick out of John. He kind of likes John. Like, John, yeah, I'll keep you alive. I don't want to put you in prison. But bring him out here once in a while. Like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm wrong with my wife. Okay, move on. What else have you got to say, John? And he's kind of entertained by John. He kind of likes to hear about John. But Herodias, is, she is fuming. That's like having an unwanted guest. That's like your, your husband brings a friend over who you don't even like at all. You're like, what is he doing in my house? You're so upset. And she wants him dead. And Herod doesn't want him dead. Herod is like, hey, let's just put him in prison. You know, he's kind, of a, he's kind of a funny guy. I like what he has to say sometimes. And that's kind of the background. And so John's in prison. And John is starting his ministry. And while this is happening, Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, the, the guy that John was telling people about, he's out there starting his ministry. And John's now in prison. So John was, was telling people not only to repent of their sin, he was telling them about Jesus. He's going to come. He's better than me. He's greater than me. You think I'm awesome? I can't even tie his, untie his sandals. He's amazing. you got to listen to this guy, Jesus. He's coming. And so John's in prison, and then John starts to wonder. He starts to wonder about something. When John had heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? It's an interesting thing that John says about Jesus. You know, he, he, he spent the last three years preaching about Jesus' coming. I mean, Jesus is his biological cousin. They are related. He knows it's him. But yet he asks this question, Are you the one to come? You know, because I'm here in prison. I did what was right. I obeyed God. I got in people's faces. Herodias hates me. I might be dead soon. And you're out there doing God's work. And I was doing God's work. And I'm in here and you're out there. And you have the power to free me. So why aren't you freeing me? Are you the one? Or should I expect somebody else? He's wondering. Sometimes you can wonder that too, huh? God, are you there? I'm wondering here. You're doing great. What's going on with me? You know, the implication is, I must be waiting on someone else. Because if you're the one, you've got to get me out of here. And you should have done it a long time ago. You know what I mean? I can relate to that. But isn't it, uh, isn't it amazing how a change of scenery, whether good or bad, can affect your faith one way or the other? You know, when you, get a, when you get that job of your dreams, you, you're just so excited. God is truly God. He's truly the God. I, didn't, I, I doubted before, but now he's truly God. You know, you go to a job and you like your coworkers. And they like you. And they actually listen to you. They think you're pretty awesome. You're going, 
God is the God of all great things. I mean, you are so excited. You're early to church. You want to serve in children's ministry. You're pumped up. You're so excited. You're paying off your debt. I mean, you're so, so feeling it. And then there's other times where things aren't going your way. You go to a new, new job. It's not working out. It's not what you thought it would be. Maybe you go to a, a college or university, and it's not, it's not what you expected it to be. And it starts to wear on you. And you start maybe to, to, to compromise a few of your convictions. You, you find it, oh, it's okay just to have crude and rude jokes about people. You start joining into the crowd. Why not? I don't like my job anyway. I don't care if they fire me. And you start just to kind of digress, digress spiritually because of our environment. You know, environments have a lot to, to say about how we react spiritually. And John's environment is eroding his faith. It's his scenery. He's in a prison. He's in a dungeon. He's getting fed barely any food. He's, he's bound with chains. And he did everything he was supposed to do. He did what was right. He obeyed God, and yet he's in prison. Can you relate to that? Man, I sure can. And so, but it's odd. There's odd here because... Uh, there's something very selfish and self-centered about our loss of faith and our confidence in God. You know, when Hurricane Sandy hit a few weeks ago, I prayed. I, got, I, I prayed a little extra. I prayed for people. I'd watch the news and I'd pray for the, you know, I'd pray for Governor Christie. I'd pray for this person. I'd pray that everyone would get rescued. I'd pray for the little boy who was lost. I was praying. I got more spiritual. I prayed. I didn't doubt. It was very strange. But when, when, when my world completely falls apart, I doubt. Mm -hmm. When Hurricane Sandy hits me personally, I lose my faith. I doubt. I wonder. You know, somebody else's unstable circumstances rarely makes me doubt. But mine do. You know, I, I lose faith when God's inattentive to my happiness, not yours. Isn't that kind of strange? When, when, when things aren't going good with me, I lose my happiness. But if something goes bad with you, I'll just pray more. It doesn't affect my confidence. doesn't affect my ability, my faith. doesn't affect anything at all. But when it happens to me, it affects me. And it's been affecting John the Baptist. It's affecting his faith. Because these circumstances affect all of our faith. faith. So why, why the pain and discomfort? Because, because what, what happened with, was, was John was that the situation has a way of shrinking... Uh, his, our world, my world, down to the size of me. You know, and Jesus' answer to, to John is so insightful. And in how he replies to John, because his world is shrinking down to only a prison cell, a dungeon. His world is now, and that's all he sees. And when you're in the middle of a Hurricane Sandy, or you're in the middle of your own prison, that's all you see, whether it's your ailing health, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's your school, whether it's your college, whether it's having no insurance, no job, hard to, hard to make it financially, that's your world. And you will rarely find the solution in your situation. And so what Jesus tells John is very insightful for us. And John had every, every reason to be upset. Selfishly speaking, he was the one that spoke about Jesus. Heck, he even baptized Jesus. Remember that? Yeah. I, you know when you baptize, hey, I baptized you, man. Remember me? I'm your cousin. 
What would your mother say? <laughs> you know, and his answer to John is amazing. He says to, to John's disciples, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Because all John sees right now is just his prison. He sees his dungeon. He sees a little food. He sees a dark future. He sees that Herodias hates him. His life's, his life's in danger. And that's all he really sees. You know, what, what's interesting, when John's disciples come to Jesus, one of the things that Jesus does not say is this. He doesn't say, come here guys, come here. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to break him out tonight. We're going to do it. We're going to break him out. He doesn't say that. What he says is this. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. That's what he says. Tell John. Tell John what's going outside of his misery. Tell John to look outside his circumstance. And look and tell him that the, the sight of the blind are being revealed. The lame, the, those who have leprosy, the deaf and the dead are raising back to life. Go tell John not to, get, not to lose his faith. Not to, get, not to allow his situation to swallow his faith. And what Jesus is telling John is telling you. To, you're not going to find the solution to your challenges looking at your challenges. You're not going to find the solution there. It's hopeless to, look, to find hope there. It's hopeless to find hope in a hopeless situation. He says to look outside. What is God doing? What is God doing around you, John? The very things you wanted people to, to happen are happening. I am the Son of God. I've come. And then he makes this amazing statement after this. He says, blessed is the man who does not stumble on account of me. You know, Jesus doesn't look like he's going to break him out. And he's telling John, you're blessed if you don't struggle because I'm not coming to your rescue. He says, look outside. Look what's happening. This word stumble is, is a word that means to become angry with, to fall, to trip up, um, to cause to be offended. Blessed is the man who is not offended on account of me. This is what he tells John. You know, you think maybe, you know, that the implication here is that God, he might allow stuff that makes it so hard to continue believing. And in fact, maybe you might stop believing. God will allow things to happen in your life that are difficult, that are hard, that may cause you not to believe in Him anymore. And that's where John was at. Are you the one? Or should we expect somebody else? Your situation can become very difficult. And that's the implication. And, and Jesus is saying, he's saying, I know what John's feeling. I know it's hard to be in prison. I know this doesn't make sense. So the disciples are wondering, of John's are wondering, Jesus, are you going to frame him? And he, his answer is no. So you must not like John the Baptist, Jesus. So if you're not going to free your own cousin, 
If you know he's struggling, if he obeyed and did what was right and he's in jail, you must not like John very much. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He says that of all the men that have ever been born on earth, John is the greatest of them all. Jesus totally thinks highly and loves John with all of his heart. He is the greatest man who was ever born. Jesus feels that way about John. He also feels that way about us. But he's inattentive sometimes, right? So what's the good news? The good news is that your personal circumstances do not necessarily coincide with how God feels about you. Amen. Your difficulties in your life does not equate to God not liking you. Because you're going through a bad situation, it doesn't mean that always means that God is not liking you or God's mad at you or He's annoyed at you. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes God disciplines us for our good because we messed up. Yeah. That's normal, right? Amen. You'll show up five times late to work, you might get fired, right? <laughs> that, that happens, yeah. right? If you're always yelling at your children when they grow up, they're not going to want to talk to you anymore, right? 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 That happens, right? Some things we incur and some things that are just out of our power and control. And when it's out of our power and control, that's when we start to think that God is not paying attention to us. We think that God is inactive in our life. But it doesn't reflect what God's doing around the world. You have to look beyond your immediate situation your immediate circumstance, to see the irrefutable evidence that God is in control. Here's what I suggest we do. To develop a perspective, to look outside of your current difficult situation, your misery, your challenge. To look outside your prison walls. To look outside... Your, 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 your roommate's window, look outside your house, look outside your dorm, to look outside your office, to look outside your home, to look outside of that difficult relationship, to look outside of it, the financial setback, your school, whatever, to look outside and see that what God is trying to do is to get you to look back and remember. What has God done before? All the things that you felt great about God. All the things, the things he did before. You know, I remember when I, when I got met to, instead of the Bible, became a Christian. That was totally God that I became a Christian. The fact that I, you know, was able to have great relationships and, and, uh, and have great friendships and meet people that became Christians. God did a lot of great things through my life and through your life. God has done great. He says, look back. Remember, look outside yourself. The other thing he says, look outside your circumstances and reflect on what God is doing now. God is working in other parts Amen. of the world, other parts of the church, other parts of the United States. God's doing great things. But also look ahead. What will God do with your life? What, what the things he, he will accomplish? Looking forward. There are great things that God will do through you. He's done them in the past, and He'll do them again. But the, the situation you're in doesn't mean that God doesn't like you anymore. It just means you're in a situation, and it's going to take your faith to be strengthened. The Bible describes your faith to being refined like gold. When you refine gold, you have to put it under, under extreme heat to get out all the ugly junk, and it purifies the gold. And sometimes your situation <laughs> might feel like the cooker, 
might feel like a furnace. It might feel hot. It's uncomfortable. But it's producing in you a faith that's going to take you all the way to the end. There are situations. And so the greatest man on earth, the greatest man ever born, was in prison, and Jesus didn't break him out. Now, here's the conclusion. Herod eventually beheads John the Baptist. They're having a big party for his birthday. And uh, it's actually Herodias' daughter, Salome's birthday. And she does a special little dance. And she's, you know, she's getting into the groove. Hey, Mr. DJ. She's doing this. this she's just she's having a good time. And King Herod is so impacted. He says, this is amazing. You are an amazing dancer. He's all, whatever wish you have, I will grant you any wish you want. I'll give you half my kingdom. You're so awesome. And so Salome doesn't know what to do. But Herodias comes over and says, John's head on a platter. So the daughter goes to the king and says, I want John's head on a platter. And, and Herod's like, it's, but I don't want to go back on my word. I told her I would say this. I said it publicly. And so he sends the message, gives the order, and they bring John the Baptist's head to the party on a platter for King Herod. John the Baptist eventually is killed. God did nothing on behalf of the greatest man Whoever lived. God did absolutely nothing. You know, eventually Jesus, after three years, he was arrested too. And they put him on the trial and he was arrested. He was uh, convicted according to their laws. He was crucified. Pontius Pilate did not want to crucify him. Kind of like King Herod. Didn't want to do it. Was trying to find a way out for Jesus. But the crowd was so relenting. He didn't want a riot to start because if another riot would mean Caesar would be unhappy with him and that pressure right there was, it was too much to bear. There was already two riots before and one more. It might be his, his head on a platter. So he said, crucify Jesus. And so they did. And God did absolutely nothing for his own son, Jesus on the cross. Absolutely nothing. I'm kind of glad he did in a selfish way because when he died, I got saved. You know, there's always a purpose that we don't see right. behind what God is doing. Right. There's always a good reason. He sees the big picture. All we see is our prison. Right. All we see is this. And that's why Jesus' words are so powerful. He says, take this away and look at God from a different point of view. Look at God from a different perspective. I don't need, I don't need to doubt God because God never left his throne. Even during your challenging situation or mine, God has not left His throne. He's not left it. He's still there. And He says this, Blessed is the man who does not stumble on account of me. Thank you for your time.